Welcome to the Aligned Women Podcast, a podcast to empower women in chiropractic to grow practices that work for their families. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton. And I'm Dr. Shauna Dingman. We're two moms who are navigating the journey of life and practice just like you. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, before we start this week's podcast episode, I just want to let you know that tomorrow is the last day to apply for the Inspired Women Mastermind Group. If you're listening to to this the day that the episode is released. So March 28th is the last day to send in your application for our Inspired Mastermind Group. And let me tell you, it is going to be a fantastic group. It's actually, it's a group coaching slash mastermind group. One of the things that we found if you're in the dream up and startup phases of practice is that sometimes masterminding is a little hard when you're not really sure how to encourage somebody else who's also starting out. And so one of the things Danielle and I wanted to do was actually create a curriculum for all of you wonderful ladies so that you can begin to create an awesome plan for your practices and follow a framework through that makes sense. So if that's something that you're interested in and you want to check it out, go to alignedwomen.com forward slash inspired. There's some information on the landing page about the group, about the structure of the program, and there is a link to apply for the mastermind at the bottom of the page. We would love to see you there. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of the Aligned Women podcast. I'm Dr. Shauna Dingman, and with me today is the little bit stuffy but still very wonderful Dr. Danielle Eaton. Danielle? (laughs) How are you? I, I'm good overall. I, I'm feeling a bit better as we're talking, um, getting ready for recording this podcast episode, which is amazing that just like talking it out with someone helps so much. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated though, you know, that like I have this stuffiness going on again and it's like worse this time than it was in the fall. So if you were listening to episodes from November, uh, 2018, then we talked about it in like every episode. Cause I sound like a bullfrog <laughs> and I feel worse now than I did then. So that's why I'm so frustrated. Get your sexy blues voice. <sighs> sure. <it> that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, uh, I just, before we go on with the episode, you said something in our pre-chat about your cold that I think is really important to just bring up. You said that you felt this, um, it wasn't guilt. What was the word you used? Just, just this sense that as a chiropractor, you should feel good all the time. Like you should feel healthy. Almost, I, I got the sense from you from what you were saying that you thought, what is wrong with me that I'm a chiropractor and I'm sick? Yeah. And I, I get that. Like I've certainly felt that before too. And I've even had patients say to me when I'm sick, really? You're sick? I thought you never get sick. And my answer is always, well, I'm a human being and human beings get sick. And so I think as moms, as chiropractors, as women, like just as human beings, I think we need to remember that we are people first and people are, we get sick. We have bad days. We have all these things going on and it doesn't make us any less of a chiropractor. It just means that we're human. And there's nothing to feel like you've done something wrong about or feel guilty for or feel ashamed about, you know, letting your patients know. It's okay to tell your patients, yeah, I was sick and it sucked. Yeah. 
in episode 82, we talked about the one right way to be a mom and a chiropractor. And that really applies to me right now because I feel like the one right way to be a mom and a chiropractor and to be awesome at all the things that you do is, yeah, to like eat a healthy diet 100% all the time and avoid your food sensitivities and um, exercise all the time and get plenty of sunlight. And those things have been really challenging for me over the last week because I had a sick baby who was teething and feverish and really, really cranky and not sleeping. And so of course now here I am not feeling well because last week was just survival mode. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, hashtag mom life. That's <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's life. Yep. Moving on. All right. So today's topic is about how to make a marketing plan for a new practice. I happen to really like this topic because I don't know, I, I just really like marketing. I feel like marketing has a bad reputation amongst women, especially. But the thing that I love about marketing is that, well, I guess really what I love is marketing in ways that actually feel good instead of feeling icky. And we'll talk more about that like what that means as we go through today's discussion. So let's first talk about what, what marketing is, I suppose, and what it's not. There's a great book. Yeah, there's a great book called The One Page Marketing Plan. And um, this book is one of my newest favorites. Um, the author, gosh, his name is escaping my brain right now, but he describes the difference between the marketing strategy and marketing tactics and tactics being the things that you do and the strategy being like the overall picture. I suppose that as we, as we discuss marketing today for a new practice, we'll share a bit of both of that, like the overall plan. And then also some of the tactical things that you can that you can schedule and put on your calendar. The strategy is not necessarily something that you can schedule and do but it's something you need to have. Oh, for sure. And I think yes. if, if chiropractors are marketing at all, and honestly, not everybody is, but if we are, what you and I often find with clients is that they're just throwing stuff out there and seeing what sticks to the wall. And the idea with marketing is that it's usually not, you know, something, something quick that happens. You do something and right away you see this awesome return. What we see with marketing is when you have a good strategy, you create these layers or these pillars of the different tactics that are used in a purposeful way that all build together. And over time, you create momentum that drives traffic and visibility to your practice that differentiates you from the other people in your industry, in your community. And ultimately, if you're doing it right, helps you find those ideal patients. Yeah. That's an important point that you just mentioned over time. Mm -hmm. Marketing is not necessarily something that you do that helps to bring in patients tomorrow. It's not something you do today that builds your practice tomorrow, but it's planting the seeds for the growth of your practice in the long term. And that's why having a plan is so important because when you don't have a plan, that's when you're just throwing stuff up on the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the things that I, I think fall into the category of what marketing is are um, social media, having building a presence on social media. And we all know that that takes time. Mm -hmm. There's a variety of ways you, you can go about doing that, a variety of platforms you can use to do that. Um, advertising, which we don't really talk about that much anymore. Advertising like in print media or TV and radio. Um, sometime I'll have to tell you, I don't think I've ever really told you this, Shauna, but I worked with one of my classmates, 
um, here in the St. Louis area a few years ago to create a cooperative of chiropractors who wanted to reach a larger audience. And we pulled together funds to advertise on the radio and TV. And it was a complete disaster. Oh, <laughs> complete disaster. I look back at it now. I'm like, wow, well, that, that was a great learning experience, but I would never repeat that process ever. And I wouldn't advise anyone else to do it either. I know a number of people who have radio shows and it's, I mean, it's expensive for sure, but it drives a lot of traffic to their offices and it's time consuming. There's a lot of content obviously, but um, yeah, I know a, a bunch of people who are doing it and doing it really successfully. So that's, I mean, that's an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, even things like church bulletins, um, school programs, those also count as advertising. Like you have something in prints that people see, maybe they learn a bit about what you do, where you're located, what your website is or your phone number. It's pretty basic. Um, email newsletters, um, SEO, optimizing your website so that it's findable by people who are searching for your services or services like yours in your area. Events that you either hold in your office or, or that you hold in other locations events, workshops, talks, all fall under the same category. Um, I would include holidays in this list <laughs> because holidays um, generate a certain amount of buzz in and of themselves. And if you are incorporating the theme of a specific holiday into your events or into your social media or your advertising or your email newsletter, then the event in and of itself becomes, or sorry, the holiday in and of itself becomes a sort of a sense of marketing in a way when it's tied together with these other things. Reviews are another big thing too. Oh yes. And you can, I, I would say that kind of falls under advertising. I think it's advertising and SEO. The more reviews you have, the higher your SEO. But a lot of times now when people are looking, the first thing they're doing is they're going to the, they're going to the reviews and they want to read what are people saying, how many reviews are there and what are people saying about it? So reviews are important too. Yeah. Well, then reviews always lead me to the next thing, which is testimonials yes. from patients. And then again, you, you can use those in your email newsletter. You can use them in your advertising. You can have them on your website or in your social media post. You can have them the old fashioned way in a binder in your office that people can look <laughs> to as they're waiting for their appointments. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I don't know that you still do this in the Aurora office, but I think I've seen a picture from your office before where you had photos of, of your patients on the wall yes. um, with like a, a statement about what's improved in their life when they've been under a corrective care plan in that office. Do you still do that? Yes, absolutely. That is actually, that's one of the best, um, I don't know what you call it. I guess it's kind of advertising that we do. So when people finish their comparative examination, so when they're finished a phase of care and we redo the tests and they've had great results, um, one of the things we ask them is, is if they're willing to have a picture taken and if we can use it for advertising purposes. And because of the way our College of Chiropractors here limits us with testimonials, you're not, you're not allowed to have testimonials in certain ways. So I can't have people giving a testimonial specifically about me. It has to be a testimonial in general about chiropractic. So what we do is we just write on a dry erase board what their improvements are right from their comparative evaluation sheet. So I just finished one this morning for a little girl who has scoliosis. She said, awesome results. So her three points on her dry erase boards are gonna be better coordination, better posture, 
and increased uh, attention or increased concentration. Then mm. we take a picture of that. Her mom has already signed the release for it and we'll post that on social media. And all it just has is a picture of her and her three things and people can take from that what they want. And then I might say in the post, um, you know, it's so awesome to see a seven-year-old girl who has experienced increased concentration. And then there's just, there, there's a lot of shares and buzz that increases around that. And what Craig has done in his offices, he's taken those pictures, put them, blown them, like gotten them developed as an eight by 10, put them on a clipboard and there have to be, I don't know how many, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of those clipboards lining the walls, going up the staircase as people go up for their initial visit. They're passing by all of these clipboards with pictures of people and their improvements. And it's everything from decreased headaches and less low back pain to decreased blood pressure and increased focus and better mental health and all these different things. So it's a pretty cool way of advertising. Yeah, I love it. I love when I saw it and, you know, I do understand the limitation of how you can use them in Canada. Um, is it a national thing in Canada or is it specific to your province? Every province has their own, um, policies. So that's specific to Ontario, but I'm guessing that probably all provinces have similar policies that way. But I actually kind of like it in a way because, um, because you're not guaranteeing a result or you're not indicating a guarantee of a result. You're just, you're, you're just simply sharing what this person's experience. And, and it's obvious that it's, it's the person's own words yeah. because it's because they're holding the board. But the other thing is it doesn't pit one chiropractor against another chiropractor. Yeah. It's a way to me that you can share those testimonials that feels good, especially if you do have a specific focus. Like if you were in St. Louis, there's a lot of ladies here who practice prenatal and pediatric chiropractic and who are Webster certified and ICPA certified. And it feels like it's a bit competitive in our area for those target markets. Um, and so I can see how like in, in certain areas like ours, where if you're feeling hesitant about sharing testimonials for your practice, because you don't want to say, you don't want to come across as saying you're the best, you're the only one that people should see, then this is a way that you can still share testimonials about the experiences and the changes that happen in your office without it. Oh, Siri. <laughs> Siri just said hello to me. That was so odd. That's never happened in the podcast before. Um, anyway, my point is that you can still share these testimonials without feeling cutthroat, I guess, or competitive with your neighbors. Yeah. No, no cheesiness. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we've got all these different ideas. How do we put this together into a workable plan? Because I already know for people who are listening, there's a sense of overwhelm, like, oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> much to do. I can't do it all. Yeah. And we know that because we hear this all the time and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So how do we create a plan that is doable and that doesn't make you feel like you're shoving splinters up your fingernails as you're doing it? Oh Lord, that sounds terrible. Well, it will of course always come back to being very clear about who it is that you want to market your practice to. And not just that, like not just who your target market is, but what is the experience that you want to create for that target market in your practice? Um, we have some women in our community that are doing amazing things with this. And it's actually really impressive to me how they, how they've really refined the experience in their practice to nurture their ideal patient. And the more that they allow themselves to do that, 
and take ownership of it, the more confident they feel and the more easily their practice seems to grow. Um, I'm looking for, when did we talk about uh, defining your ideal patient? I know we've talked about it in several episodes, but there was one in, in particular that we really like talked about this in great detail in the podcast. Maybe I'll see it in a, in a bit. It does feel like a long time ago, right? Um, but the point being, think about who your target market is, who your ideal patient is. How can you refine the experience for that person in your practice so that you can start with their end in mind, if there is an end for them in, in the journey of being a, pra- a patient in your practice. But when you're really clear about what you want them to experience from point A to point Z, you said Z earlier, so now I'm saying Z <laughs> to honor the Canadians in our audience. Um, then you know what are the most important things for you to incorporate, and what are some things that might seem like good ideas but that aren't really all that important for your practice. Mm. Return on investment. That's yeah. a really good point. Okay, so let's start from the beginning then. How does somebody begin to choose what they should have in their marketing plan? Oh, to me, the first thing is what do you like doing? What do you, what do you perhaps already feel comfortable with? Comfortable is a a word that I am using loosely here because you don't have to feel totally confident with it, but that, you know, you can figure it out. Yeah. So I know a lot of the people that we talk to really enjoy teaching. So the idea of doing a workshop is something that they really like to do. And I know for me that that's probably my easiest comfort zone. So that's always my go-to. So if that's something that you like to do, then you just, all you need to do is start putting down points on a piece of paper. What do I like to do? Okay. I like to do workshops. Some of you, if you're like Danielle, you are so good at social media. You love getting into groups and just engaging people, interacting, posting. So if that's you, write down social media. Um, If you love writing, so some of you are really excellent at writing good copy and articulating the ideas of your practice, the values of your practice and um, clinical information. You're really excellent writers and you really enjoy the thought of writing blog posts. So you write down blog posts. So just, you know, get a list of things that you really enjoy doing, first of all. And then I would put down things that are just, they are a go, no go for you. What do you absolutely not like to do? put that over on, you know, on a different side of the page, just so that it's there, you're aware of it, but you already are giving yourself permission to say, I don't have to do this. The next thing I would say is really important, Danielle, is figuring out how much time do you actually have to devote, right? If you are, say you're doing 25 clinical hours a week and you've got 25 administrative hours in there, That is going to be a very different marketing plan than someone who is seeing patients five hours a week and therefore only has, say, five hours of admin. Your marketing plan is going to be very, very dependent on the time factor that you have. So you need to be super dialed in to how much time you're willing to spend on this. And if you have, say, five hours of admin time a week, that's not five hours of marketing time. Only a portion of that is going to be your marketing time. So you need to be able to figure out 
how many hours a week am I going to devote to working on my marketing plan? A question that I get asked a lot is how much time should I spend on marketing in each phase of practice, whether it's someone that's just starting out or someone that's um, in the ramp up phase of practice. To me, there is not a magic number. At least we haven't uncovered one yet. We've kind of uncovered magic numbers in other ways, but we haven't uncovered a specific magic number that says, oh, if you're in this phase of practice, you should spend this much time on your marketing and you should spend this much time on um, networking. You should spend this much time on CEO time you kind of have to feel it out for yourself and see what feels right for you and what works best for you. How much time overall do you want to be working and really acknowledge that all of those hours are not patient care hours. Mm -hmm. Um, But you mentioned something that you had heard to me uh, before we were recording that someone that you were listening to suggested spending two to three hours on social media each day. And as we, we talked about it before we were recording, Oh, sorry, that was probably loud. Um, that feels like a lot to me, but it's probably not unrealistic when you're just starting out your practice. Yeah. And that's how, how you and I have the conversation unfolded from that is really when you think about it, you and I probably spend, I don't spend two to three hours a day on social media, although there are some days that I do. But when I talk about that, I'm talking about also if I'm shooting a video, if I'm doing a live video, if I am shooting a video that's not live, that needs to be edited down into smaller chunks for Instagram, for example, like all of that time is time that I would consider on social media because the whole point of it is to have it on social media. I'm not sh- I think like if I look at two to three hours a day over say five working days, I bet you I spend 10 to 15 hours a week on social media. Um, so, but again, that, that's not a hard and fast rule. It just kind of, it came up as a point in conversation that we probably spend more time on social media that's dedicated to marketing our practice than we really think of because all of that time that we spend doing video work, planning it out, planning the content, how are we going to use the video now or, you know, whatever it is, the posts, the, all those things, that's all sort of part of it. And what might've been 15 years ago time that I would have spent writing a direct mail ad, for example, which I don't do anymore. Now that time can be diverted into social media, which is something that there is great value in. So Danielle and I are not saying you should be spending two to three hours a day on social media. That being said, it it truly is something that whether you like it or not, that is how people are finding you, vetting you, you know, checking you out, stalking you a little bit to see what do you like. And the reality is there needs to be a certain amount of time spent each week dedicated to your social media presence. Yeah. You know, you talked about the magic number of hours. And I I think here is where the rubber meets the road as far as planning the number of hours for marketing. This is what's important to understand. The earlier you are in practice or the, the earlier the phase of practice you're in, the more time as a percentage of your admin time you're going to spend in marketing. The bigger your practice gets, the closer you get to that scale up phase, the less time as a percentage you're going to spend in marketing because marketing is not technically CEO task. The more 
time you need to spend managing your business, your practice as a business, managing team, managing the direction and the, the scaling responsibilities that you have, the more you have to delegate out a portion of your marketing time. When you're in the beginning, you are it. You're wearing all the caps. And so therefore, you know, if, if you don't have all that much time spent actually treating patients, you need to be spending time in marketing, driving people to your practice so that you can be seeing more patients. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The episode that I was referencing earlier in our conversation is episode 60. It does feel like that was a long time ago, but in episode 60, we really talk in great detail about defining your ideal patient avatar and why that's so important for your marketing overall. Okay, Shauna, I'm curious if you can share more with our listeners about what your marketing plan is for your practice, because your practice is relatively new. The second location is, Mm -hmm. and it's grown really quickly. Mm -hmm. So what has, what has marketing looked like for your practice over the last few months? Well, I sort of did, you know, what we said at the beginning, what I, I sat down and figured out what is it that I like to do for me teaching workshops, live video, those kinds of things are things that I really like to do become pretty easily to me as far as, you know, there's a comfort in it. Um, So those are things that I focus on because for me, I like really creating that one-to-one relationship with people, being able to relate to people one-on-one and engage with them one-on-one. So that's, that's a big part of the reason why I've chosen to do monthly workshops again. So I'm going to tell you what I do. This is not what you need to do. But I started out with just three things because I thought, what, what's going to be doable for me in the beginning? And I thought, if I just start with three things, three sort of different things, then that's going to be manageable for me. So the first thing that I did was create a series of workshops in the, in the office for patients and for community members. So I have ongoing we call them eat by design and move by design workshops. I do an eat by design workshop every quarter. I do a move by design workshop every quarter. Um, and obviously those are related to the principles around nutrition and around movement. They are core curriculum for patients. So every new patient that starts in the practice gets a ticket to the next eat by design and move by design workshop. And I register, right th- I register them right into those workshops using Eventbrite. The other thing that I ask them when I'm registering them is, who do you want to bring as a guest? And they don't have to bring a guest, but right away, I'm inviting someone who's now not in my practice to come to those workshops. And I would say those workshops are typically half patients and half spouses or friends or just people out in the community. So that's one way of building. Um, And the other workshop that I do every quarter that isn't sort of a core curriculum workshop is I call it an advanced workshop. And the topic is different every quarter. So the last quarter of 2018, I did intermittent fasting. This quarter, next week, I'm doing age-proof your body. After that, it's cleansing and detox. And in the fall, I think we're doing immunity or something to do with kids and sports. We haven't designed the fall quarters yet, but um, so that's the workshops. Another sort of pillar of marketing that I do is regular posting on my business page. So I have, I've mentioned this before, I have an intern who does regular posting on my business page and then I can just go in and edit the posts. She schedules them out. I go in and edit them ahead of time if I want to edit them. Um, And I don't always. 
So there's regular posting. I do regular live videos. So I've committed that every week I have either a live video or a pre-recorded video that gets uploaded into my business Facebook page and onto my YouTube channel. Um, I send an email newsletter to my office every month. I don't love writing at all. Um, I love teaching, but I don't love writing. So doing an email newsletter once a month, that's about as consistent as I can possibly be with that. And that goes out to my patients, but it also goes out to people who have subscribed to my email newsletter. Anyone who's ever been to a workshop, I put them into ConvertKit, which is my CRM that I use, and I tag them as a lead. So it, it, the newsletter goes out to all of my leads. Um, what else do I do? I, so I run a private Facebook group for moms here in my community. That's new. That's only something I've just added in. So when I first started, I was doing regular blog posting and email newsletter. Did I say blog posting? So I do a blog post every two weeks or so. I'm not the most consistent with it, but I would say it's on average <laughs> every two weeks or so. Um, so blog posting, email newsletter, Facebook and Instagram posting and live video workshops. Those were sort of my core. And then I've just added in a private Facebook um, community for moms that I manage, which has been great. Um, and again, I do a live video into that group every week on a Monday. Um, and then just lots of engaging with people, answering questions. I'll post content into it, obviously, and I'll post, um, you know, clinical things. I'll share things from my own business Facebook page into it. And then the rest is just kind of mom stuff. Have you created a how-to for March for our members in um, Aligned Women so that they can learn from you how to start their own Facebook group for their community as well? And I've already read through the guide and I'm super excited for our members to be able to dive in with that. Yeah, it's a guide that describes sort of the whys and wherefores around it you know, helping you decide whether or not it's the right fit and then how it fits in with your marketing plan, how it fits in with a community-based marketing and communication plan. But then I also click by click, share my screen and show you, so you can actually follow along on your screen, show you click by click what to click on in order to actually start that group. So. Yeah, that's excellent that you did that. Okay. Um, so I feel like what you've shared for your practice sounds like a lot. Does it feel like a lot to you to manage? Sometimes it does. Yeah, sometimes it does for sure. But like I said, I started out with, I would say two or three things. Um, I wasn't doing the workshops right off the bat. I started out just with the blog posts and the social media posting. And then I added in the office newsletter and the workshops. And then, like I said, just recently, I've added in this private Facebook group. So as you do it more, it becomes easier. Um, there's less of a figuring it out factor to it. So everything becomes a little quicker. I also have delegated more. So I have my daughter does some of my social media stuff and our intern Stacy does a bunch of not just social media, but just a bunch of the tech side of things. So that helps. And I think delegating, the more you can delegate, the more it frees up your time to actually create the content or do the do. Yes. Or to um, make time for self-care or spend time with your family and be present with them instead of sort of kind of with them and also on your laptop or on your cell phone while you're with them. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that's been a learning 
for me has just been figuring out how to be consistent with it. And I, I would say that's, that's the next big thing when we're talking about creating a marketing plan to start your practice is it, it is all about consistency. So it's about giving it time, but it's about being consistent. So it's just like the things that you tell your patients, you do the right thing, you do it consistently and you give it time and it works the same way for marketing. And yeah. the more you can not just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks, but actually do something with consistency and just keep on doing it and getting better and better. I mean, you and I have said when we first started podcasting, each of us individually, but even each, like you and I together, and we go back and listen to those podcast episodes, it's hard to listen to. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. When I think of my oh. first live video, for example, it's yeah. painful to watch that stuff. But the more you do it and do it consistently, the better the better quality everything gets and the easier it gets. So it's just figuring out what can I do and doing it consistently. January is a month where I, three years ago, did a live video on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page every day for the entire month. And so it's February now. We just finished up Facebook reminding me about all those videos every day. And I would see them and just cringe. But you know what? that was the start of something much bigger than what I had anticipated that it could be or would be three years later. Um, so while, yeah, I look back at that content and like, Oh, who is that person? That's just ick. I also know that that, that part of that is awesome because I was willing to suck to get started. I was willing to look stupid sometimes in order to reach a goal that I had or dream, really it was a dream that I had. Yeah. Yeah. And you're willing to, to go through the pain of figuring it out. Like a lot of yeah. this stuff is figuring it out. I know in our mastermind groups, a lot of the women are talking about Instagram. You know, I want to, I want to have an Instagram page, but for those of us who are used to using Facebook and now you're starting into Instagram, it's, it's a totally different beast and it's frustrating to start figuring it out. And that's the great thing, for example, about a mastermind where you can say to somebody, how do I, and then somebody's there to help you. Um, but just being able to muscle through that time of, I don't know how to do this. I'm frustrated. I've tried to figure this out. It's not working, reaching out, getting help, falling flat on your face, getting back up, continuing to do it and just doing it until you get there and then it becomes something that's smooth. I mean, none of this stuff is rocket science. If you can be a chiropractor, you can definitely do these marketing strategies. You just have to do them and you have to keep reaching out and finding help until you get it. Yeah, absolutely. So on that note, I would just want to wrap this episode up by reminding our listeners that if you are dreaming up a new practice or you've just started a new practice and marketing is just one of the things, one of the many things that you feel like you would want some more specific guidance and support with, then be sure to check out the Inspired Women Mastermind that starts the beginning of April. Applications are due March 28th, which is the day after this episode is released. So if you're hearing this and it's Wednesday, March 27th, 2019, <laughs> then today is a day to submit your application. Keep in mind that submitting an application doesn't commit you to the mastermind. Submitting your application means that you're interested. And then we need to get on the phone and decide, is this a good fit for you? Do we feel like 
that you're someone that we can help, are we a match? And so if you're on the fence, go ahead and submit your application and take that first step. And then let's decide from there if, if moving forward is the right thing. Okay, I've muscled through about as much as I can. <laughs> Just talking today feels like it's such a drain. <sighs> but hopefully what we have shared in this episode has been so helpful that my completely stuffy, um, obnoxious sound to my voice today is irrelevant. And you know, if you have found value in today's episode, I'm going to ask you to hit the share button and share it with someone who's struggling or has questions and has possibly never even heard of the podcast before or does <coughs> podcasts. So go ahead and hit the share button. And on the note of talking about reviews today, it does remind me that if you could leave an awesome review for the podcast, it helps people find our podcast and we would love it if you could hit the review button and just give a great review for the Aligned Women podcast. Awesome. Yeah, you can, leave, you can leave a review on our Facebook page or in iTunes. Both are pretty easy to do on an iPhone, I know for sure. And I would assume on an Android device as well. I think that's a wrap then for today's episode. So be sure to join us next week for a new episode. We'll be celebrating episode 100 soon too, um, which I'm sure we'll do something exciting for when the time comes. <laughs> All right, everyone, take care and enjoy your day. Thank you for joining us today on the Aligned Women podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, we would love for you to head on over to iTunes and hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join the community of amazing women doctors in our free private Facebook group, Mama Chiropractors, by going to alignedwomen.com slash mama chiropractors. And if you'd love to fast track your success in life and practice, subscribe to the waitlist for the Aligned Women Team group coaching membership by going to alignedwomen.com forward slash join. Have an amazing day and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Aligned Women podcast. <laughs>